Welcome back to the Healing Health Joy Collective podcast with me, your host, Simon North. We're outside again doing classes once more and isn't it great to practice alongside your friends and other people and get back to a sense of normality. And uh, we're going to talk in this episode with Simon Tandry, our wonderful and amazing Qigong teacher. And if you haven't tried Qigong yet, this is the episode for you because he's going to sort of give you a taster, give you an explanation of what it's all about. And I really hope that does inspire you to try Qigong and get involved with it. It's really great fun and it's a great way to complement the other things that you do. If you're already into yoga, then this sits alongside it, in my opinion, really well. So, uh, well worth trying. Now, Simon does have a couple of classes online still, and that's a good way to actually get into doing this. So uh, you can practice in your own space at home and begin to pick up what it's all about. And then perhaps, you know, join in a class with other people or go on one of Simon's retreats and enjoy that too. So, um, yeah, please sit back and enjoy what is, I think, a fascinating conversation with Simon uh, about Qigong, what's behind it, and what you can expect if you go along to a class. Thank you. Well, I'm delighted to be sitting here with Simon uh, Tandry to talk about Qigong, and it's been uh, an amazing journey for you, which began about a decade ago, I believe. It did, yes. Um... I was at the time very much in the classical music world, touring um, with the Doric String Quartet I was a member of for about seven years. And I was looking for something. I had a few health problems in, with digestion. I was just, it's quite a high, um, high vibe thing, uh, quite a stressful job. A lot of airplanes, a lot of high level concerts. And I was just searching something to help sort of take the strain off a little bit. And my father actually, met um, a teacher in Stroud and I went and had a healing with her. She was also a healer and I was blown away. I ended up on the floor in tears in the healing and it had a huge impact on me. It was very powerful. And then she said, oh, there's a teacher in London. Um, we should go and check him out. And I sort of put it to the back of my mind. I think it probably took me six to eight months to actually go to one of Andy Henry's class who ended up being my teacher. And I remember the first time I walked in there, all these what I thought nutters standing up, as you know what it's like in Qigong. Everyone's moving around, making loud noises. And I stood there thinking, what am I doing here? And then my legs started shaking. <clears throat> and Andy comes over and, you know, does his thing. Like I do, click his fingers, get your energy system moving. And, and I've never looked back. Really, that was it. I was hooked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah we'll come on to talking about more about that, actually, because it's a fascinating part of this story. But you... you you did tell me that it took you a long time of practice before you were ready to teach. Hmm. So my teacher is quite a traditional teacher. He likes the idea of eight years under his kind of, um, I wouldn't say control, but certainly keeping his eye on me very firmly before he would then give me or give any of his students his blessings. And that's what he did two, three years ago now. Um, so it was eight years and I was doing probably two hours practice a day I think I was really going for it an hour in the morning hour in the evening a little bit in the afternoon occasionally when I had time so I was so the what's particular about this form of qigong um tai chi wu qigong it's called is that the teacher needs to have a strong enough potent enough system and robust enough system to be able to bring that energy transmit that energy into someone else's system in order for the dantian which is an energy um, point in the body below the navel to get activated 
Um, so it's funny, I had a, um, I was doing an online course, or I was giving an online course a couple of weeks back and, and someone asked me who was there for the first time, she said, oh, is there a teacher training in this? And I sort of smiled to myself, you know, nowadays in yoga you go off to India for a month and you come back a yoga teacher, from zero to yoga teacher in a month. And I thought, wow, you know, I went really the old, old paradigm way, eight months, you know, eight years of 10, you know, 10,000, 10,000 hours, put them in and... And then you can stand there and actually get other people to have spontaneous movement um, just by, by being there, having done that work. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's fascinating <laughs> and, yes, very insightful. But uh, I think it's probably what's made you such a unique teacher within Healing Health Joy Collective um, because it's, it's obviously there's a huge amount of dedication that you have there to, to, your, to your, you know, your practice. Yes, I think primarily because it just changed the way I was, you know, changed the quality of my daily life. And then and that sort of became my, 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 those eight years, 10 years of practice and had a huge, just a huge shift in me brought that about. So I think once you've had that, the proof is very much in the pudding. It's, I, I couldn't not then start to, to help other people go through that, I think. So it comes from that really have seen what it did for my resilience, what it did for my physical structure, my... Um, my ability to go into deeper states and meditation because the aim of that even though we don't talk about that really when when people come to my weekly classes is it's a practice of spiritual development even though it's sold like any achievement at the beginning as a health practice a self-healing practice actually it's a path to enlightenment like all these profound spiritual practices like yoga so and once you start having a taste of that the deeper states yeah it's very um it pulls you through in a way and that gives you then a reason to practice. So I came to your classes through doing yoga and then I heard about it and I thought I'd give it a try. I'd, I'd once done Tai Chi, didn't really connect with that. So tell, tell us why should people come to Qigong classes with you and what is that journey likely to be? Sure. So really, as I said, it's about self-healing and healing in the, in the traditional form of making yourself whole again. So bringing the parts, disparate parts of us um, together. And we do that in Qigong with a bit like acupuncture, with freeing up the stagnancy in the system. So we have this uh, energy system through our body, the meridian system, and it gets stagnant, gets blocked, gets tired. And we clean that up using this spontaneous movement. So this energy called the yuan qi gets produced which sounds absolutely crazy i know but you've been there so <laughs> once you start moving you can't deny it and it moves around your body and encounters these blockages in your subtle energy system and once they start to get clear you have a result and that's freer more energy the dysfunctions in your organs start to clear up um you sleep better you digest better all the basics of your energy system um gets get upgraded. So your innate energy system that we all have, because the human body is always trying to heal. Always, that's it's a given. It's just that we get in the way with stress, uh, tiredness, toxicity in the environment, trauma, all those things. So we're working on that really, like like a good yoga practice that's combining with breath and, and drishti and things like that. It's a complete system in itself. Traditionally, um, Qigong was part of a thing called, um, well, it's a larger aspect of the Chinese medicine system. So Tai Chi Chuan is the kind of umbrella form of that. So you had Tai Chi, which is the moving meditation. You had the Qigong, which is the, the health aspect, herbs, meditation, and then the Kung Fu for the body, the fighting, 
apart. So it's, you, nowadays we just do, you know, like in yoga, some people just do one arm of the Patanjali, you know, the Eightfold, eightfold Path, or you know, the, you know what I mean, um, rather than doing the traditional path, which is obviously, you know, asana and then breathing and then focusing and then meditation and then, you know, we tend to, in our society, um, well, and it's fine to do a bit of exercise, but we take what we need, you know, we have that capacity and that choice now. So Qigong in itself is a part of a larger system that is also a doorway into all of it. Um, as your energy system opens up, you have access to those deeper states of meditation. Um, your body, of course, then brings stuff up, and then we, there's a, a healing aspect of it called Bu Qi. So when practitioners have been doing it long enough and they have enough vibration coming out of their hands, they can actually start to assist other people's healing process. Um, which is fascinating. So I use that in my one-to-one sessions as well as my cranio and everything else. Okay, so I've seen lots of different types of people, all shapes and sizes in the classes and the one workshop we managed to have. And uh, I, I, I thought that was really interesting how it's so broad, like literally anybody pretty much who can stand up on yeah. their two feet yeah. could do Qigong. Yeah, and that's wonderful, isn't it? And also it's not age in any way age-related. You can start, well, we don't really go below 16 just because the energy system is still developing, but you can go up into your 90s. Um, yeah, if you're breathing and still able to sit upright at least, you're able to do Qigong. You can do it sitting as well. So sometimes if people either have had an injury or just don't, I don't have the capacity anymore to stand, you can do all those Tao Yins, the moving practices, sitting down. So yeah, there's, um, it's an incredibly wide... Uh, an open and inclusive uh, way of health and, 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 uh, and improving your quality of life. So if somebody was coming to a class for the first time, mm. how would you brief them and what would they expect? Um, I usually warn them, don't listen or watch anyone around you. Because <laughs> what happens, for those of you that are listening that don't know or haven't been to a class, a lot of movement starts to happen in people's bodies, spontaneous movement. So you start bending over, start to have noises coming out of your, as, of your, of your mouth as um, energy is releasing. And for a newbie, that can be quite uh, overwhelming and slightly shocking and confusing. So the first thing I do is warn them. <laughs> and, then, and then if they're still there after I've warned them, I, uh, we start very slowly. That's really the key. Um, so I put them in what we call the starting position. So we bring the gravity and center of gravity to an area in your body just below your navel. And as the group field starts to develop, I then help the people that need a little bit more assistance, the beginners, and I come around and I help their structure get a bit more solid. So a lot of this is, as you know, that our bodies, in a way, are walking mudras, walking um, physical examples of what we've done in our life in an emotional way, mental way. So people have very crouched over postures, have had a certain quality of emotion uh, emotions and mental thought patterns, and it then gets calcified in the body. So one of the things we work with the Qigong is start to helping people first of all notice that, and then start to change that as the energy moves around. So I'll probably come and put my hand on someone's back and help them just to feel, oh look, that's actually a straight back, not the way you've been standing for the last 20 years. Um, and that helps the energy to flow through, and as that energy flows through, it helps the back to straighten more naturally, so it creates a virtuous. Uh, virtuous cycle. So that's really it, and it um, it takes time. It takes three or four sessions before the energy really starts to flow. So I always give people, you know, heads up. It takes time, patience, slow, and and none of it is pushed. It's just that the energy itself has its own prerogative, has its own 
um, agency, I guess you could say, and, that, and you listen to that, and it starts to move how and when it needs to move. So, so no, no forcing. So if you start the journey, it's probably going to take a couple of sessions before it begins to kind of happen for you. Well, yes and no. I think nowadays it seems that everybody gets something in their first session. I don't. I can't remember the last time when someone didn't get some form of vibration come through. Um, I'm not going to put that as a guarantee, but generally, especially in person, I would, I'd be, I'd uh, put my hat in the ring and say yes, you will get definitely some spontaneous movement online. It can take. You're going to get hot. Something you will be feeling something, but maybe your body won't be pushed in a way that you can't deny that it isn't, and that's what we're looking for. At that point where actually you cannot deny that something's happening in your body. And once you have that, that's something to grasp onto. And people, then once they've had that, they come back because they're interested. You know. So just explain, where is this energy coming from? Because a lot of Qigong, it talks about energy from the earth mm. and it talks about energy from the sky. But let's yeah. talk about that first part where the spontaneous movement happens because it seems like the energy is bubbling up from the earth. Yes. So... Those three points, the earth energy, what we call the Der Chi, and the Tian Chi from the sky, and then we have this then in between our centre of gravity, we have then we call the lower Dan Tian. So these Dan Tians are energy centres. The Chinese use three, which, is, which sort of coincide with the, um, the brow chakra, third eye, and the heart, and just below the belly. The, below the belly is officially, in the sort of Hindu tradition, not a chakra, um, but it's an energy center, so they, they call it the hara in Japanese. So it's in martial arts, it's your center of gravity, that's where your power comes from in a way. Um, so there are lots of different ways of describing this, and depends which source you go to. So some people talk about having the cells having a vibration, and you're tapping into that. So the part of the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic and sympathetic, so part of the system that you're not controlling. So that's peristaltic wave. Um, dilation of the arteries, um, the lungs, all those kind of th those things that we use when we're running away from something or fighting something or what we use in digestion, they all have a vibration force as well. And so part of that in our, in our muscles and the involuntary part of our muscles can then be tapped into and they start to release. It's a bit like when you go into shock, you've seen those nature um, films when a gazelle uh, gets attacked by a lion afterwards, shakes off uncontrollably, right? It's not a choice, it starts control. It starts shaking as that charge gets brought out of its body through shaking. So that's part of the mechanism we go into. Um, we're shaking off that charge. The body has that innate healing capacity. It's just that we don't use it on, used it maybe when we've had an accident or a very shocking experience, sometimes we do. And that's a good thing, it's part of the healing process. So in a way, that's what we're tapping into, the healing process. Of, of shaking off the charge or what we call the unmetabolized experiences in our life which is a nice way to think about it sort of like we have experiences we don't digest they get stored in our body we can call them traumas and they get brought out of the body through shaking then once that started then you start to go into well, the dirty which is the ground force so maybe I should backtrack just a second and say that most qigong that people do don't go into that level of, of energy awakening. Some forms of Qigong even look down on Taiji Wushigong as being too strong or too quick or not safe. Um, like in any um, healing modality or spiritual tradition, there's, there's that conflict between different streams. 
and you just have to go with that. I've never come across it personally, but I've heard of it, some traditions, um, not approving of the speed of the development that happens, that happens as, as I said, in, in, you know, in any meditation practice or even yoga. So spontaneous movement isn't something that normally happens in the first 20 years of practice in a normal qigong. So it's kind of a bit of a, a speedy way into opening up your energy system. Once that started, you begin to get encouraged by the teacher to have a contact with the floor, uh, with the ground force, which is called the de qi. So there's lots of qis. Chinese always talk about qi this, qi that. And the de qi is, is, is the grounding force. It's what some people call it the Schumann resonance. So it has a vibration. The ground has a real vibration. And we tap into that. And it draws out the heavy aspect of our, what we call sick factor or bin qi. So that's really the unmetabolized stuff that I mentioned. And that's in our system. And if we start to get, we contact that through that through what we call kidney one or the yuan chuan point, which is just um, the balls of our feet. It's part of the Chinese medicine system. Um, and you can stick a needle in that area. Um, it's very grounding. So as we bring our awareness there, and it take, this takes a little bit longer, usually sort of by second or third month of regular practice. Um, and you start to get the vibration coming up through your legs. And it's a different feeling. It's a little bit heavier. The movements tend to be a bit more gross, more uncontrolled at the beginning. And it's more grounding. So it's a really important aspect of what we do. And then later on we, we contact the Tian Chi, or sometimes at the same time, and that has a lighter, more airy, more, um, I want to say effervescent feeling. It's a little bit more light and that opens up the crown chakra and then we get more of the kind of connection with the spirit. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've actually described that very well. And um, there's, when you do a class, you definitely can feel a big difference when you do the, 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 ha the heaven and earth mm, yeah. between the energy that you draw down from the yeah. sky. And I found that fascinating because yes. there's a palpable energy up yeah. there that I had no idea existed until yeah. I started doing Qigong. And it, it's very, very interesting. And um, is, is heaven and earth always part of a practice? The Tao Yin in that mm. particular movement. So it's the first Tao Yin you learn. And Tao Yin is a moving, like an asana in yoga, it's a moving practice. So we have seven or eight of them in this particular form of Qigong, plus animal movements, which I don't teach very often. Um, so Heaven and Earth is the first one, and it essentially, for those of you that haven't done it, they're listening, you stick your hands in the air as part of the practice, and you contact this with, with mental force. You bring your awareness up. And then later on, when you've done that a lot, all you have to do is put your awareness up, you contact that energy, and then you bring it down into your system. And that has a beautiful kind of... Oh, it makes you want to just go like that. It's a very, mm. very soft, gentle, um, relaxing energy. And it makes you want to go to sleep. So now I've just done that and I just go to sleep. <laughs> but it's, um, mm. yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Once you'll be doing that for a few years, the, the tools that it gives you just to regulate your nervous system in daily life is, I mean, I feel hugely grateful for that. It's, it's massive. Just to be able to put your awareness up in the sky and then receive that is quite fantastical, but extraordinarily palpable at the same time. Um, and that's what I love about this practice. That's why it grasped me so much at the beginning, is that you, you can't deny it because your body's moving. And while you can stop it, once you let that go, it moves again. And that is, has a real power and a drawing in of why, what's going on here, and often creates real paradigm shifts in people because they start questioning other parts of their life. Because if, I'm, this is, if energy is real, even forgetting what chi or not chi is, um, you start to question other things. So it's a real opener for many people. 
So let's just move on to talking about the healing aspect. Mm. You've been covering it, but let's talk about that specifically, the healing aspect. And then I'd like to talk about how people can access your classes and your retreats. Sure. So, like I said, healing, the essence of healing is is, um, reconnecting those parts of us that weren't loved often as children, weren't loved, weren't seen, weren't heard. Um, and they create kind of schisms in our body, or, or I often talk about calcified charge, so bits of us. And that's why part of what I do also is teaching inner child work. It's another access point into the body, because we hold it all in the body. And so what Qigong does, it shakes that up. And so that's why often, in, often I don't want to put people off, sometimes in class people start to cry. Because it shakes those parts of us that we haven't been in touch with for a while and brings it to the surface. Literally, it comes sometimes then expresses in tears. Um, sometimes uncontrollable sobbing for 10, 15 minutes to release that charge in our bodies. And it's um, difficult for people to go through, but always hugely beneficial. So that's the first aspect, that's the self-healing. That's the power of this practice in itself, brings healing just by, the, by its nature. Then when I help you, when you're standing there having these spontaneous movements or I'm doing something in the field of the room around the class, I contact the field or I contact what's going on in you and I, partly with my intention and partly with the hand movements, I can draw out some of that stagnant energy. So the rule of thumb of that is you have to have an awareness. You have to be able to feel somehow what's going on in that person's system. That itself is an access point. And then with vibration force coming out of your hand, you can actually then come in into the field, hold what's being stuck there, and then with your intention, you pull it out. And, it, and, it's, and it's palpable. You feel that. And the person that it's being done to feels that as something that's coming out. And you can do it to yourself. I tend, sometimes that happens spontaneously in the higher levels of, of Qigong, is you start moving your hands around your body. It just comes up. We paused our conversation there and carried on. But for this episode, I think that's enough for you to digest. So there's another episode to get into. Please have a look at the show notes. There's lots of links in there for things that we talked about, in particular to Simon's website. Do have a look on our weekly sheet, as I said at the beginning, and check out the online classes that Simon does. And if you've been inspired by listening to this, then I hope to see you there on on one of his classes very soon. So thank you and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you again in the second Qigong episode coming along shortly.